Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situationships and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex regrets so feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. everyone and welcome to couples therapy my name is andy and i am naomi we're a real life couple a real life couple of comedians and on couples therapy we answer a couple different questions from a couple different listeners we try to keep it light to combat the dark in the universe this is the new intro naomi i'm making it the, <laughs> the intro it's so funny you guys the way before we get on mic you know it may surprise you to know that we do sit and say, what should we talk about? Uh, and we do say like, okay, we're going to hit this and this and this, and we have it in a certain order. Uh-huh. And then we start rolling and then Andy will just say something. Once, and I'm like, <laughs> once I, once I just start talking and the white hot room in my brain just yeah. like opens up and spills out and yeah. it's just, and then I, and I got it and I got to pick it up. Yeah. He put it down. I got to pick it up. And then I got to run with it somewhere. And I said, I don't even know what we're doing. Yeah. Because be off. as dystopia just continues on, <laughs> Stop. I, I feel like we are, we, we are in a position to bring some, a bit of levity into. Well, you might be able to bring levity if you didn't constantly bring up dystopia looming. Well, hey, look, we, we did say we want to talk about the Barbie movie about what, 12 months late? When did it come out? It came out in 2021. <laughs> We saw Barbie last <laughs> night, and it did come out, I believe, in July. Okay. We did watch it. We did. We did rent it. So we're right. only we're only you know what four or five months behind. Just three. July, August. Well, I'm doing July two, August, August two, September, September two, October. <laughs> okay, three months behind. But everyone the point else. is, we saw the Barbie movie, and y'all might have to explain to me why so many folks was crying. Because I, I did, I watched it and I was like, uh huh, okay. And then, yes, America Ferrara had a monologue, but it's, I don't know. I guess, you know, there's just times, and this is why, you know, I'm actually proud of myself for not rushing to the theater, right? Sometimes you can feel that social pressure to be part of the cultural Barbenheimer conversation. And you know what? In a way, it's good that I was I saw it afterwards because, you know, no one's asking me what I think. I don't have to have conversations about my thoughts, you know. And so because I just it left me lukewarm. Mm. It left me lukewarm. However, 
Mm-hmm. However, there were there were some bright spots. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it was a bad motion picture. Lord knows Greta Gerwig said, honey, I am making indie no more. I'm going to use all your money. <laughs> she I, said, bitch, I'm going to use all your money. I want to say this, though. For IP, and maybe this is why everyone was so surprised by it, because they graded it on a curve. And they're like, oh, it's IP. It, you know, right. The Barbie movie brought to you by Mattel. Right. It was surprisingly poignant. I mean, any time that there is a film uh, that grapples, you know, it could be an indie film or it could be like a big major motion picture. As long as I feel like the characters are honestly grappling with their mortality, it does <laughs> strike a nerve in me. You know, uh-huh. there is, you know, whether it is, I'm trying to think of something, you know, it doesn't have to be Ingmar Bergman, but like, you know, if it, if the Transformers, if Optimus Prime, you know, right. was discussing, you know, his having an existential crisis. Now that's what I want to see now. If Barbie's going to have an existential crisis, I want to see every single toy character have an existential crisis. Well, isn't crisis. that what Mattel is planning? This is why Mattel has all these movies planned with their IP. You need to pitch on the new Uno. I say, <laughs> what is it to reverse? What is it to draw for in this economy? That's what we need to be talking about. My parents could draw for, but I can barely draw one now. What's going on? Exactly. But I mean, look, this is... Is this Guy Debord? I can't remember. In Society, the Spectacle, but essentially that there are there are these, these, these now we're reduced in these in these times of late capitalism, or <laughs> we're reduced to just like all spectacle and any kind of critiques of capitalism, such as the ones that were made in Barbie, are drawn into and sold back to you, the right. consumer. Right, right, right. So right. I, yeah, it's just it's it, it is interesting. I think. You know, I could write an academic paper on the nature of the Barbie Which, in film. a way, makes you a Ken. That makes you a real Ken, <laughs> a real mansplainer. I did, I did, I was seen, I was seen. Barbie when, spoke to Andy's heart more than spoke Cudi to When Gatwa uh, talked about Stephen Malkmus in it. <laughs> there is a pavement reference, reference in Barbie. Uh-huh. You know Andy was seen. But I'll tell you this, Naomi. Have I ever once mansplained pavement to you? No. But I know my audience, you know, exactly. It's like, you know, I wouldn't allow it. You know, I have no interest. Yes. You know, if I were to ask you a question, I'm sure it could elicit a monologue, uh-huh. but I will never ask that question. Yes. And that's beautiful. And you know you better. Know? You know exactly. better than to ask the question. Well, exactly. Why is it called crooked rain? Crooked rain. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm asking that question, I'm Jiminy Glick. Yeah. Why is it called crooked rain? Crooked rain. <laughs> that's my Jiminy Click impression, you guys. Um, but yes, we did see Barbie. We're part of culture again. <laughs> I, I will say uh, my favorite part of the movie. We're not talking enough. No one told me Kingsley Benadire. Oh my God. The he was the funniest part to me. Weapon, I know we're all talking about person. Gosling, but it's like, yes, I know Gosling from Mickey Mouse Club. I expected the vocals. I expected the dancing. So I wasn't shocked there. Kingsley Benadire Every made me scene. laugh. Every single time he was on camera, he was hysterical. Yeah. You know, and. My introduction to him, yes, I know he was he was Bridgerton. Uh, I'm such an auntie. I just call anybody. I'm like, oh, that, is that a Bridgerton? That's Bridgerton. But I know him from Vera, my my British <laughs> crime drama Vera. He played he played um, the like the medical examiner on Vera, like for maybe a couple seasons because they don't let them they cycle through them on them shows. So he did a couple, and he said, "Let me go make some American money. Let me make some Netflix." Sure, money. Kingsley, if you're listening, please. <laughs> Contact us, reach out. We want to have you on the show. Kingsley Benadir, we want to talk to you because having seen you in Barbie, I know you're fun. I know you're fun. I know you're a goof troop. I know that you have an open heart and a loose butt. But I love what happened, though, was when he was required to give a line with gravitas towards the end. It hit like a Mack truck. I mean, come on. Come on now. 
He's got the chops. He's got the huh. training. He has the range. He he did it. A piano fell out of the <laughs> top story of the building, landed on me. <laughs> you felt it. Yes, you felt I it. Felt it in your bones. So yeah, you know, it's a great. You know, in our household, the Barbie movie resonated with a man, <laughs> and that I think speaks to <laughs> more with Barbie more with me than it did with you. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Andrew, that's what I just said. More, but I'm saying more. It's not, it didn't just, you said it registered with a man. It resonated with resonated. a man. Resonated. More so than it did with you. Just, the point is in this house, Barbie centered a male experience. <laughs> I felt seen. I you felt seen. seen for the first time, Naomi. <laughs> you know what? What? Speaking of being seen, feeling seen, mm. we have finally seen the winner of our wedding contest Slash butt plug contest. <laughs> I was going to say butt yes. plug contest, and it sounded a little bit darker, so I had to give a little slash. If this is your first episode, <laughs> what has been happening over the last couple of weeks is we ask people to comment on Apple Podcasts, five-star review, and then your worst wedding experience in the actual yes, body of the your comment. own wedding, a wedding you attended, something like that. We put those up on Instagram. Had you, the listeners, vote on it. I mean, if you're not following Couples Therapy Pod on instagram you better correct that yes. you better correct that okay yes you better just be following animal accounts either rescue accounts or the dodo and stuff like that and couples therapy pod those are the only things you should have on your instagram well and also myself blackstress comedy and, and, and at andy Beckerman. sure you know what i mean individually as well uh, sure. but yeah that's we're just kind of cr- trying to curate a feed for you yeah you're curate welcome. a vibe you're as welcome. they say you're, you're welcome. welcome so the winner is i we don't want to do a drum roll because uh the I'll knock the cat food off the table. Manderson Jr. Manderson Jr. Now, in case you don't remember, here was their story. My spouse and I moved to California from Ohio months before our wedding in Ohio. This made it difficult to plan because while our families were local, we were not. So we thought it best to have our bachelor X party the Friday before our Sunday wedding. The night started out fine. I went with my party. My spouse went with theirs. However, my friends got me too turnt. We ended up meeting up at the dance gay bar downtown where I drunkenly entered a torque contest, stole my spouse's phone, and (laughs) ran away from my friends. (laughs) By the end of the night, it was down to me and my friend who is not local to this city. She went to call an Uber, turned around, and I was gone, leaving her with no way home as she was staying with me and my family and didn't know their address. This led to me passing out on the street and my friend slash bridesmaid. Okay, so this is already a friend that is working. Okay. This led to me passing out on the street and my friend slash bridesmaid disappeared too. The next day, I woke up on the streets of Columbus, brown out stumbling, looking for a way to call home. When I finally got home, we realized my dear friend was still missing. What was supposed to be a wedding rehearsal quickly turned into a search party and a missing person's report from my friend a few hours later we learned she had found a nice hotel room (laughs) slept there took a nice warm shower and watched crazy rich asians while i slept on the street (laughs) the streets of columbus that sounds like a bruce springsteen b-side there are a lot of details left out due to space but basically we lived the plot of the hangover just a hundred times gayer we hope this gives you a chuckle yeah well they're the winner chuckle manderson jr it gave winning okay so many votes came in for this one. This now, this people though, okay, because the friend, I believe, a strong black woman, if uh-huh. memory serves, was like, 
has a large a large following on social media and really brought that following to this post. Mm-hmm. And those people really came through with the votes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope they also follow the uh, subscribe to the show. <laughs> I said, look, if you're gonna bring all these people here to vote so you can win a butt plug, y'all also need to be subscribing. Yeah. All these people who voted, I need you to subscribe to Couples Therapy Pod. I need you to leave a five star review. Okay. So make sure that all your contacts know this. All right. And this was this was a close race at one point because, you know, the seahorse wedding also got a lot of people. Well, but up. Mimi created a pie chart, which we will put up on Instagram. Well, yeah. You know, we, we about how the votes broke down. Voting transparency. transparency. We believe in transparency in this democratic process. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to say number five, you know, really leveraged a following. Brought them to the post. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I'm going to say that. I mean, it's also, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is hysterical. This is wild. I'm also obsessed with a friend who was like, okay, I'll turn around. You go on. I'm going to do me. <laughs> she said, ain't no reason. We both got to die on the streets of Columbus. I'm about to give me a hotel. She said, I got my card on me. I'm a live. And I the respect The streets that. of Columbus. Is that what Bruce <laughs> Springsteen Bruce sounds Spring- like? That was a good impression. That was. That was good. We're really doing our impressions today. I've done Jiminy Glick. You're doing Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> It's coming together. Uh, thank you all for your five-star reviews, your hilarious stories. When we have another treat to give away, we will do another one of these. But we always appreciate you guys rocking up with the good stories, the five stars, coming through on Instagram. Love you to death. So By the thank way, you, thank you. Feel free to leave a five-star review and any kind of story now. Just, just for the heck of it. Just anything. for our entertainment. Yeah, we'll read it. We'll what? read it. So don't get me wrong. But. Yes. Yes, but uh, Manderson Jr.? This butt plug's going out to you. <laughs> the only couples therapy branded butt plug in existence to date. To date. We might try it. We'll, we'll we're see. Try, we're, we're, still, we're still doing the research to figure Would out. Would you buy them for ho- as holiday presents? If we could get, if we could have Andy, a rollout a before the quick. holidays. That's too quick. Would that's you? That's too quick. Because we're still reaching out trying to find the people <laughs> who have the capacity to scale up this operation. Yes, because we, this is a, what, a.k.a. Mimi. <laughs> the business. The team. And the team being one. Transparency, The team being one. Transparency. We have asked her to look into it. Stop it. <laughs> Credit where credit's due, my dear. The point is, there is research being done into Passive how to voice. scale up this operation. <laughs> can we find somebody who can make these and send them from their location? You know what I'm saying, you guys? Because as you know from us, it, the few times we've sent things out, we're getting them to you two, three months <laughs> later. Because it's like, you can't get your girl to the post office or UPS. Also, we live in a modest apartment in East Hollywood. I, we don't have room for boxes of butt plugs in here. That I was going to say, that'd be funny if we had a butt plug closet. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't. We don't have space for a butt plug closet right now. Um, but you know what we do have space for? What do we have space for, Naomi? One of our favorite people on the pod. Oh, my God. And our old friend, Aparna Nonchurla. Yes, that's right. Today, folks, we have our dear pal Aparna. This is beautiful because it's also the second one of our dear friends who is coming to the pod, rejoining Actually, third, but because, you know, we've had Josh and Aaron, Joe Firestone, Aparna. These are our friends who are making things happen, mm-hmm. who are creating things, bringing things into the world. Aparna has written the book, Unreliable Narrator, Me, Myself, and Imposter Syndrome. If you don't buy Aparna's book, I'm going to be mad at you, okay? Because <laughs> Parn has the goods. Parn is a writer extraordinaire. She is hysterical. You've seen her comedy specials. You've seen her late night sets. She wrote on Totally Biased with W. Kamau Belch. Parn has been here. Corporate. Corporate. Do you remember this corporate? Okay. Parn is it. We love Parn. An unreliable narrator. I have started it. I'm like a third of the way through. It's, you know, it's what I expected, what I love from a Parna. <laughs> so funny, so relatable. Also very vulnerable, very honest. Um, and so 
I think it's both interesting for people who just like, okay, I like that comic. Let's check it out. And then also like, I relate to this sentiment. Let's check it out. Oh, I want to know more about what it is to navigate this industry, this world as someone dealing with, you know, depression and imposter syndrome and those kinds of things. You know, Aparna brings it all. Yeah, we talk about that a little bit in this episode too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So, um, you know, I've sold it. Unreliable narrator. You better grab your copy. Or else Naomi will dox you. She's been threatening everyone online with doxing if they don't buy the book. I'm a dox you. I'm a dox you. Naomi's become a part of the street team. Um, Really quickly, um, before we get to a part, I do have to just share something that's very funny. You know, obviously the Barbie movie has a lot of fun original songs. And so we were looking at the credits and watching the, um, you know, seeing like who wrote what and who sang what. Andrew Becker (laughs) was looking at the, you know, the credits for the song and he screamed discovering that Lizzo's name was Melissa. Melissa. Melissa Jefferson is the true government name of Lizzo. And Andy said, what? I lost my... I, like, learning, <laughs> I, I knew Nicki Minaj's real name, and I, but just like learning... Because uh, also Ice Spice. The, Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice do a song at the end. And Ice Spice's real name is Isis... It's like Isis Niger something. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> Andy couldn't take the it people's names. He, because... Because he take the people had names. I, I do get it. Like if you are a a star, like a rap star, or a rock star, or something like that, and you have an alias, when you learn their real name, they lose all their power. <laughs> Whatever that thing is that their celebrity, that their charisma creates, once you learn what their real name is, you're just like, oh, you're just like Steve Greeps. That's it. That's your name. <laughs> well, it's really like. What if God was one of us? It's giving that energy. Yeah. That's what it's giving when you realize, you know, iconic Lizzo. Melissa Jefferson. Melissa Jefferson. You guys heard the new Melissa Jefferson? Yeah. New Melissa Jefferson drop. She did She did a cover of the Jefferson's theme song, Move It On Up. <laughs> I will not support this bit. Mm. I will support this bit. So you know what, MZ? I'm going to make you say what I need you to say. Without further ado. Roll it. By the way, first thing I got to say, we're recording this the day that that alert is happening at 20 after the hour, some kind of phone alert. And the anti-vaxxer contingent of the United States, which is what, like 300 million people, they (laughs) say that it will trigger something in our blood. That will turn us into, into mutants or something. Can't like wait. That. We cannot <laughs> wait. So how do you our know phones... about a phone alert ahead of time? Because it's it's basically a test of the emergency alert system, oh, oh, and they're putting oh, oh, it over okay, phones okay. and radios and you know everything like that to test it today. And they say, and the anti-vaxxers were like, "It's going. It's going to interact with the DNA." Yes. So if this happens at ten at twenty after the hour, and we all turn into mutants, you will hear it live. Although we won't be around to publish this. I that's guess. true. That's true. Oh, boy. So, so if we all turn into mutants, that's we know the anti-vaxxers are right. <laughs> and I, and why I, did they? Why did they decide on this specific alert? Okay, okay. When you are an irrational person <laughs> that lives in a fantasy land, who knows what your your little you know childlike mind attaches yeah. to? But you know how um, I don't know if you're like PTA uh, mom or something. You're like, well, well April's kind of quiet. We got to do something in April. Maybe a bake sale. So maybe the <laughs> anti-vaxxers are like that. They're like, we got to do something, right, uh, for right. October. Something. Yeah, yeah, we need yeah. To rally Spooky around. Season. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What if the Which is why we're becoming zombies? Yeah. Because it's spooky. We're all becoming ghouls. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very seasonally appropriate. <laughs> 
Um, so Parn, now you know you're promoting your book, Unreliable Narrator. I oh, am. here's the hard hitting questions. The hard hitting. <laughs> um, and I guess you know, and something you you talked about this uh, publicly on social meds, mm. um, but just about sort of the uh, irony of promoting yourself and your work when yes. that work is about the imposter syndrome of it all. Yes. And sort of how have you been managing that? Because I think you and I are similar. I mean, Andy's the same way. I think our dear friend, Joe Firestone, who also has a book is the same way where we're like, I just want to do the thing. I don't want to have to like prove to everyone I did the thing. Yes. Yes. I was trying to reckon with myself the other day. I was like, what, part of the process do I actually like? Because it was hard to write the book and now it's hard that it, it's out there. I'm like, which part was gave me any pleasure? And I think <laughs> I figured out it was when I originally had the idea before I began any sort of execution. Yeah, that's me. That, oh, that yeah, was it. Oh, that's that, Just that little sliver. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's the good time. <laughs> but, Come on, can't you like, when you uh, see your bank account and you see all that Fat book cash in there. Fat book cash. <laughs> You're like, I don't know where to. I don't know where to spend this first. Do I, you know, a a uh, eight week trip to Malta? What, what do I do with all of this money? Eight week trip to Malta. I well, my superpower is being able to convert even great news into immediate anxiety. So I think with me, the book ca cash was just because I was lucky enough to get in an advance. And then for me, it was immediately like, I'm never going to make this back for them. They have made a horrible error. Yeah. So wait, can I like dive into this a little further? You know, you have this idea. Why even do anything with it then? If it, if, if the idea is you enjoy the idea, and that's the pro that's the part of the process you actually do like. And then the doing is the part that brings on anxiety and neurotic kinds of feelings and all the, you know, the Freudian soup that we're <laughs> yes, all yes, living yes. in in 2023. Yes. Why not be like, you know what, that was a nice idea. I'm just gonna keep doing stand-up and acting. That's me, except I don't do stand-up or acting. <laughs> I say that was a nice idea. It was fun to have it. Good to know that the gears are still turning in there. But I said, let it be. Let it be. Mm -hmm. Naomi's a huge Beatles fan, by the way. <laughs> I think sometimes I get caught up in other people's like expectations, you know, where they'll be like, What what's up next? What you got going? And then I feel like I pressure to say or or be doing something and then I'm like well I guess it's this idea that I was once psyched about but now it's become a burden but I guess it's what I will tell people at parties for a while <laughs> well especially right during the uh during lockdown during now then mm, the strike mm -hmm. it was why all it was we, a, Naomi, can I interrupt you why are we still why are we going back to lockdown we called it quar that was our thing oh we trademarked it by the way <laughs> We trademarked the word quar. Let's go back to quar. We're calling it quar. Quar. Okay. So my thing is like, well, because what happens is I always take a beat because there yeah. is an impulse to say pandemic. And then I have to remember that no, the pandemic is not over. And when people say in the pandemic as though it's past tense, I bristle, but I'm so used to hearing it. So it takes me a beat because my impulse is pandemic. No, 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 that's not true. Lockdown. The 15 months yes. we were mostly in the house. <laughs> And oh, like is that how long it was? I can't. I never even thought to measure it. <laughs> you didn't. That's all <laughs> well, I was doing. In my head, it just felt like it didn't. Uh, you know, 
exist in the actual laws of time. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, it was in a pocket dimension outside of it. <laughs> but I'm saying that, and then certainly the sh- the five months of strikes, you know, for WGA and, you know, what's still going on for SAG, like it, ha- writing the book gave you kind of a tether, a way to yes. say like, I've done, first I was doing this thing, then it is, this thing is coming out. Yeah. But I, yeah, I felt kind of, I don't know if, you guys feel this way, but I feel like when I'm in the midst of creating something, I feel very um, confused about how it will ever be done. And also <laughs> like day to day, I don't really understand what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say, do you mean, wait, hold on. Do you mean don't understand what's happening, period, which I get? Or do you mean don't understand like with the actual creative project? Well, people say with big goals, like set smaller goals, like that's the way you don't get overwhelmed. But I feel like even with the smaller goals, I get overwhelmed. Uh-huh. How small are we talking? Like what would you, how would you break down this process? You know, asking for a me who has <laughs> okay so let's say i'm mid writing the book and today i'm like all you have to do is read over this essay that you wrote and you know make any notes or just see where anything is and then i'll start reading it and i'll immediately spiral mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what does that look like for you when you say immediately spiral i'll just be like this is the worst thing i've ever read why am i doing this like i'll just question the whole process yeah it's like i have trouble focusing on just the thing in front of me without zooming out and Absolutely. being like what's the point of any why are any of us here really right <laughs> yes. so it goes so that goes to an existential dread like it yes. goes right from like I don't know about, you know, the placement of this comma all the way to, <laughs> yeah, all the yeah. way to like, should we exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like those um, on the computer, you have the shortcut keys. I feel like I have too many shortcut keys to the <laughs> to, to get existential, existential dread. <laughs> <laughs> and now, does that impact or how does it impact your relationship? Oh, wow. Um, because, oh. you know, it's funny because, you know, certainly you're open about these your emotional and mental health struggles. But even in recounting them, right, on stage or talking to people, you still seem very measured. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's something that's like out of control or out of your yeah, control. Yeah, And we all know like we're different, you know, with our partners and people we live with and the people who see us when the mask is off. <laughs> and I'm like how, you know, are you – Okay, let me. I'm just gonna give you an image. Are you walking around the house in your pajamas, muttering about how everything's terrible, and then Gabe is like, "Parna, are you okay?" You know what I mean? Like, what does it look like? Yeah, what does it look like when the mask is off? No, when you're when when you're at existential dread. I guess I'm just wondering because also, Gabe is also a very like you know he's he's a doer. He's even killed. He's like, we got a plan. You know? And he also has to, he processes outward. Like if he's in an emotion, it has to come out and it mm-hmm. has to be, you know, sort of catalyzed uh, externally of like, I'm going to let all this anger out. Uh, and I feel like that's maybe common in relationships where one person processes the opposite of the way the other does. Because mine all goes in. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that I am communicating and I am seeming like I'm doing a good job of expressing like how bad I'm doing mentally. But then he'll be like, you got to talk to me. Like, I don't know what's going on with you or like, what can I do? And it's like, because a lot of times when you're having mental uh, health 
issues. You don't really know what you need sometimes. Yeah. I just get like frustrated because then I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm always yelling. I can't fix my brain with my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is also the thing I also run up against when I'm doing creative work, especially the mm-hmm. writing stuff, where I'm like, okay, I know this isn't right, or I know this isn't it, but I don't know how to find what it is, because I yes. have the brain that gave us the first option. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, how, how do I make it better? If I could make it better, I would have just done that the first time. Yeah, and I think for me, it I have gotten better at like having to verbalize how I'm feeling or like look at things that could have set me off and and doing that out loud with him has been helpful. But I think my default impulse is to kind of just let it all marinate and stew in my head. And then that can, you know, compound. And then I just really like withdraw. And then he's like, I don't know how to reach you. <laughs> okay, so you withdraw. You're going in. Yes, You're shutting yes, down a bit. I'm going in. I get that. Okay, yeah. I get that. I do. I you do go pull. in, Andy? Yeah, I can, I can ping pong, but a lot of times okay. I'll go in and just like turn into a little walnut. <laughs> oh, little. sure. Yeah. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I would have said turtle, but I'll take walnut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Wait, Naomi, you go out only or you go both? <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm out, oh, baby. She's out. Baby, it's out there. Oh, she's a rocket ship flying to Mars. <laughs> she is out. She's a rocket ship. I'm a walnut. And that's our relationship. We'll be back after this. <laughs> and we're back. Um, no, it is. Yeah. You, you know what's happening. A lot of crying. A lot of. Yeah. But I don't have. But, I, but at the same time, as you're saying, like, I don't know what I need, per se. I just know I am unhappy. But it's funny because I'll be like. Because I think for me, there is to be safe enough with a person that I can say things. Yes. I just, I think I'm abusing it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like it, like if a professor had an open door policy, you're just swinging through at all times. No, not necessarily. But it's like, because I think I grew up where it's like, you're so emotional, calm down, don't act this way. Andy really lets me get away with murder. So yes. I am just. Do you want me to criticize you like your mom criticized? No. You? <laughs> but no. I think that's part of why I'm just like, like I'll be like, I gotta get out of here. Don't you ever just wish you could just go be in a hotel by yourself? Like I'll say that, and Andy's like, no. And I'm like, what? So am I the asshole? Sorry, I'm really in my upper register, but, you know. But but then I will say sometimes for me that withdrawal that Andy will do, it makes me nervous because for yeah. instance he'll tell me on the other side of the emotion, right? Like kind of once he's sort of been through it and processed it and figured out what's what, yes, he'll say to me, yeah, that thing upset me or, oh, that thing worried me. And the way my brain internalizes that is he's been mad this whole time mm. and he's just waited oh, till you were right. nice and comfortable to let you yes, know. Yes. Um, so Wait, that's not good. Apparently, <laughs> when did you start to get a handle on like your depression and stuff like that and anxiety? I I think I was first diagnosed with depression when I was 19. Oh, okay. wow. All right. I think I had experienced, you know, flashes of it as a kid, but like didn't really have the language for it. And yeah, wasn't necessarily in an environment that was like, let's talk about our feelings, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, so I think I, yeah, developed that whole knowledge of like the inner workings of my brain later, but yeah. And then anxiety, I don't know if I ever got an official 
diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you feel it? I mean, is it present in your body in general? Yeah, it just kind of showed up. I guess it was like, um, it, it, it feels like it also just started to increase like as I started doing comedy and stuff, like I just became more aware of it, maybe in a way that I hadn't been before. Because my mom would always call herself a worrier. She's like, I'm just such a worrier. And so I was just like, oh, that's just... What our family does, we worry. But right. I never thought of it as anxiety. Mm. Right. By the way, for the listeners, I've cut out the sound, but the buzzer <laughs> just went off. And we are we not just... mute we are not mutants oh. yet. Oh. Did you hear it, Par? It went off the national alert system. No, but my phone did a ding earlier and I I thought it was that, but I think it was a postmates notification. <laughs> <laughs> That in its own way is a test of the emergency <laughs> alert system <laughs> for an individual. The individual emergency alert is, are you going to order? So, so far, not mutants. So anyway, sorry. Back oh, yes. to, back so, to yes. so you said your mom was like a worry. So it was like, oh, we just worry. But like not necessarily being able to distinguish or thinking that that was any different than like having anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like growing up in a sort of assimilationist immigrant household, but it is kind of like you're not... You're not going out of your way to maybe find things to fix in yourself unless <laughs> they will help you get into a better college, you know? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Now, your sibling, are they also, do you guys share any of these kind of mental health battles? Do you, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, we all we all have the A and the D. Okay, mm. all right. So it's, it's a family affair. So at least yeah, you, don't, you yeah. aren't feeling, like, isolated or this sense of, like... Am I the weird one? Yeah, no, but I, I I experience this sometimes with even like friends who also struggle with similar brain things where it's kind of like, will we, like, are are we cycling together? Are we, are you up? <laughs> am I down right now? Like, what what's our dynamic? You know, like, am I helping you right now? Are we both down in the trenches? Like, it mm -hmm. feels tricky sometimes because it's like, I don't want to shit on someone else's high period, but mm -hmm. then it is like, but you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, here's a question. Do you feel like, and I say this because I deal with this in a different way. So you're someone who's obviously actively committed to getting, to being better, feeling better, right? Like you do the mm. things you have to do. You take your pills, you take your opposite action when you need to. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, a lot of your comedy and, you know, your writing centers on the depression mode, the anxiety. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you ever feel that, that those are at odds? And I say that as somebody who I'm like, fuck, so much of my stand-up is me being angry. <laughs> that I was like, I don't actually, I'm like, can I still do that? Oh. But also not live with rage all the time? Oh, like can, can there be a distinction? Yes, and can there truly be wellness when a big part of what's connecting with people is the darkness? Right. I, like my own wellness when a big part of connecting Yes. I feel like I've had to draw a line just because when I started talking about my anxiety and depression more in my act, it felt like that was a thing people were specifically attributing to me or like being like, hey, check check out this lady. She talks about mental health or whatever. But I I had to like start to draw a distinction just because it became so clear that like me talking about it in my act has nothing to do with the experience of me having it in my real life where it's like I can be s struggling with anxiety in a very real way to the point where I have to like cancel a show 
And it would be a show where I would like get up there and, you know, make some jokes about my anxiety. So it's like, they're clearly not the same thing. And I think early on, I would conflate the two and be like, well, I should be able to just suck it up and go do my jokes. But now I'm just like, oh, I think any artist who minds their personal life and their work, like it, it gives you maybe a degree of separation from it because you're, it's more of a performance, but, but it isn't, it's still never going to be the same as like you having that in your day-to-day life. Are you worried, Naomi, about like if you get well? Because I've seen a lot of stand-ups say this. It's like, I don't want to get well. Oh. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's me. I'm, I was just at Skankfest. That's a good voice. Yep. I don't want to get well. <laughs> I don't want to get well because uh, then uh, I won't be funny anymore. Like I've seen that kind of sentiment. Uh, and not, I guess, not just right-wing co- comedians who right. <laughs> I, I assume donut, donut, who donut. I assume donut, donut care about yeah. <laughs> about yeah. mental health at all. But I, you know, I think that's a, a common sentiment because I don't think that's you can still be funny. Even I would, I would push you to. <laughs> To well, be I more just, mentally well. No, no, of course. I just think, like, for instance, like my angle on so many things is, well, for me, it's like an intense emotion, right? Like yes. you can, like, and before I used to talk about like, the things I love that are so stupid, right? Like I used to have a very long bit on the TV show Pitbulls and Paroles, which was about <laughs> you know a dog rescue in New Orleans, <laughs> mostly staffed by ex-convicts. Okay. Yes. And I loved yes. it. And I could just like talk about everything I loved about it. But for me, it's either like something I really love or something I really hate. Yeah. Um, and I think because I'm in a negative place, it's really skewing towards the hate. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And so that's what I mean, where I'm like, you know, and then because I just lately feel I'm like, does anyone really want to hear me get up and yell again? I don't know if I want to get up and yell again. And so, like, I don't really feel like doing The answer, by the way, to the first question is yes. Yes, I agree. I can't answer the second question for you. That's that's something you have to answer internally. Well, it's like, am I like a, am I Louis Black Lady? Is that my comedian (laughs) persona? I'm Louis Black? Because he was yelling. He yelled the whole time, Louis Black. Oh, that, what a terrible, I can see the t-shirts now. (laughs) Oh, no. Did he have t-shirts? I'm just saying Naomi's. Oh, like, oh yes, She makes yes. t-shirts. It says Lewis Black Lady, and it's like her with like <laughs> Lewis Black's glasses or something. I don't know. I don't know. It just it just popped right into my head, and I'm just like, oh, this is a this is a path you could take if you wanted to. It's not a good one. I don't think anyone. Uh, I don't think we would enjoy it past the initial joke. But yeah. But, but I think it's also maybe part of because. I have always had a sort of self-loathing part of my brain specifically towards my own work. And so I think it's kind of like no matter what you're doing on stage, I think you find a way to be like, nobody wants to see this. Like, I feel like I've had that. You know what I mean? Like, I've had that thought in various phases of my stand-up where I'm just like, I'll see whoever goes on before me and I'll be like, why can't I do something like that? Right, 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 right. (laughs) Why can't I be like, just like, Every man relatable. Yeah, like they're yeah, like exactly. gentle comedians where I'm like, that was well constructed. And you didn't have to open a wound. <laughs> you know, I yeah, what do you yeah. want to talk yeah. about? Charmin? Like, what is the thing that's like? Oh, yes. But there are people who could Two do Two ply. It. I need three ply. There are people who are literally like, you know what I wish? You know what I wish my family was like? Those Charmin bears. Now that's a family that's stuck by each other. You know what I mean? Like, someone can do that. And have it be so successful. I could do that for 45 minutes. I know. I almost feel like people, well, I not to pull this, 
not to pull the WOC card, but sometimes I'm like, you. I don't feel like we're given the same bandwidth to just be like the everyman for both obvious reasons and because uh, people are like, what's your angle? You don't mm. look like Brian Regan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do you have? It's or it's like or it's like you get up there like oh she's about to give us the what for you know that's what they assume and you're like I don't feel like giving you the what for so wait Aparna how do you get past that self loathing is it just like over time you know therapy like for me the thing is the the way I've gotten more mentally healthy is has been talk therapy so I've been in therapy mm-hmm. for about ten years yeah and also and- you didn't have any self loathing to begin with you didn't. Nah. No, she's making that up. I don't know what I you. Oh well, based on the person I know, you come from a place of confidence. Uh, it's a mix. It's a it's it's a uh, it's a cocktail of mm. uh, extreme egotism <laughs> and extreme self loathing at the same time. Uh, and That's... over t- over time, I've uh, poured out the glass and started pouring in new liquids. So okay, I've still, lost the metaphor. There's still a little self-loathing, so there's still, you know, there's like a, a, a finger of self-loathing. What do you call it when you make a mixed drink? What are the little, that little thing? What is a finger measurement? I never like understood a finger, a little this. finger, like you put it against the glass. But which finger? Any of them. They're all relatively no, the same. No, they're not. Width, <laughs> except for the, look, look at your, look, I'm holding up my fingers now. They're relatively the same width. Okay, relative, but I. Except for my pinky. And your thumb. Well, but you your thumb's not involved. You know, oh, when you're like, things. imagine putting your hand around a glass. Oh, I see. And that's it's why it's just... like three fingers, four fingers of something. So you, you got know? a little oh, self-loathing in okay. there. Okay. Okay. You got, you still got some arrogance in there, but then you've got some kind of like peace and calmness. There's also a new, there's a new mixture in there from this talking about This is wild stuff. because <laughs> I've been with Andrew for so many years. Yeah. And I've, and I've seen glimpses, and I mean literal glimpses in 13 years of- <laughs> Maybe a touch of self-doubt, but never a such touch? a touch and never such that it ever stopped him. Like he's somebody to me who just, he enjoys the act of creation. You ain't taking that away from him and he is good at it. And I say yeah. that as somebody, you know, and I'm, I say that like I'm in awe, right? Like you, because- you don't seem to me, like you're not somebody who sits and goes, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe I don't deserve it. You make and you kind of like. Well, hold on, hold on. Because I have it, a different, it, I have it. a different philosophy on this stuff. No one deserves anything. Like th- th- <laughs> we don't live in a meritocracy, right? So if, if we did, then I, you know, it would be a little different. But like, you know, when. People get the things they get and amass the fortunes they amass based on luck and family and that's it. I mean, look, (laughs) it's not that talent isn't immaterial, right? Like you both get a lot of the stuff you get because you're both talented. However, that's kind of like a, a coin flip on the edge of what's happening because if you know, if you both came from like powerful Hollywood families, that talent you would have got, you would get things, and the talent, regardless of regardless of whether you were talented, whether you were talented right, or not, right, right, right. There are things like that, and so you know, I know that it's basically luck, and so if I get things or I don't get things, it doesn't have anything to do with my talent. And I've also, I'm middle aged now. I have spent a good part of my life dedicating myself to writing and to becoming good at it 
10 mm. years ago. I mean, I was writing sketches that were abominable. We're like, <laughs> we're like literally, you know, the audience can't follow it because we're constantly pulling the rug out. You know, I was like, I had watched Stella and I'd watch a lot of British stuff with like Matt Berry in it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I want to do what they do. And so I just did the next step from that, which is just pure fucking nonsense. And no one knows what's going on. And like, eh, you know, or I would do an improv set and I just started improv and it would, I would be fucking terrible. And then I would go sulk out back of the venue of, of uh, under St. Mark's <laughs> sitting on the stairs oh, sure. out there. Oh yeah. You got it. Honey. Because you're I, already in the basement, right? Yeah, when you're, you're performing. And so when yeah. you're sulking, you have to come up to street level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get up yeah. to where the people are. Yeah. And then it's just like, <laughs> yeah. And, and the self-loathing, it's just like, you know, a sphere that envelops you. <laughs> But right. then did you use that as fuel? Because I feel like I early on, you, you know, when you are in those early years and you're like, I don't even know if this is the right thing for me. You, I would often use that to be like, you don't deserve a place in this. Like you don't know what you're doing. And I mm-hmm. honestly don't know what kept me going forward other than maybe just like, <laughs> this sounds Dickensian, but like a kind word from a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm oh, to picture you as a beggar child in Victorian England with a little tin cup, and, and to have someone just walks by and just says like, "I loved your stand-up set last night." But sometimes it literally would be that it would be like one person sent me a nice note, and I'd be like, "Well." I guess I'll keep going. (laughs) It's so true. I'm always like, because I had those moments. Like, I remember doing a set at Broadway Comedy Club where it was like, and it was also like ladies, you know, it was was pretty early. I would say probably in the first three years. And I remember it was like, we each got $25 for our spot. She's over here. We're always checking it on the dog. Oh, sure. Because she has a tendency to lick the floor and then it's a whole thing. Oh, no. Anyway. um, And... I remember I bombed at Broadway Comedy Club. Yeah. And I remember because I was like, you know what? Especially those comedy clubs that are like in Times Square where a lot of these people, English may not be their first language. Yes. They were like barked in off the street. And so seeing comedy in the first place wasn't their right. you know, goal. Right. But I was like, these, they're not getting me. They don't like any of these juboo jokes. They're not <laughs> like feeling it. But I remember I felt so terrible. I just like walked out after my set. I didn't even get my $25. Because oh, I was I've done like, because I was like, I don't deserve it. Yes, and you know, and I and I was like, because I was like, I'm so embarrassed. Oh my god, you're so stupid. You're terrible. Because it was in this moment where I was like, I don't know how to pivot. Right? Like, yes, I see comics. Where I'm like, okay, this isn't working, and then they'll just like pull something else out. Right. Or they'll be like, let's do a bunch of crowd work or something. It's like I don't have that in me. It's like the the set is the set. Yeah. Like I can do bits and pieces, but it's kind of like if you don't like a black lady yelling, <laughs> I can change the topic, <laughs> but it's the same delivery, babes. <laughs> And so I was like, and I just remember that. And I'm like, how did I end up getting back on stage after feeling like a true, I'll tell you. Well, I I don't know about you, but like to to answer the question, it was people that I did not respect were higher up on the quote unquote uh, ladder than me. And I was just like, well, if they're there, then why don't I get to be? See, that's the healthy way to look at it, Park. Why don't I get to be there? And also, I think the other part of it was I had a whole other career before I came to comedy. And I uh. knew that I did, I was not willing to put up with the bullshit to do the thing I loved, which is philosophy. 
Like academia yeah. was so fucking dysfunctional and so gross and I hated most of the people there. <laughs> Outside, I loved uh. my students and I loved a, a bunch of my fellow grad students. But like a lot of the, and my mentor, but a lot of the professors were just like, you know, just going, like getting along, yeah. uh, going along to get along. Is that the phrase? Yeah. They were just like, you know, and it's going just like, well, this is what we do. And they oh, weren't I see, see. producing anything of value and they weren't saying anything interesting. They were just, you know, well, I published this and now I collect my check and I get to have a sabbatical and I get Andy, to have this a seems summer a home. Lot like Hollywood. <laughs> but exactly. But I love writing comedy and writing television mm. more than I love writing philosophy. I see. So I'm willing to put up with the stuff that kind of same stuff in Hollywood, right. whereas I wasn't willing to put up with it in academia. Where like it's also like such a cloistered, closed off. No one was trying to do anything in public. Really, there were like mm -hmm. very few. Public, especially not in philosophy, very few public intellectuals, if any. Where in, at least here, I there's an outlet into the world where you are interacting with people yeah. and people see your stuff and react to it. And also a kind word, I'll tell you the exact. I'll tell you what too. Like early on, I did a, a, a I auditioned a show at UCB that was very well received by the audience. Yeah. But the uh, artistic director hated it. However, mm. he brought us in. He's like, I hated your show, but I love you guys. Oh. And I and that and he's like, I, I and it, it, well, it's Anthony King who wrote we did a musical and he, he writes musicals. And he's like, you didn't do the normal things you're supposed to do in a musical. We were just oh, really like, he was I like, see. this is a fucking mess. <laughs> I was sitting in front of him, but it was like, but it was like, it was kind, funny. And it was like such a, you know, the crowd was like into it. Cause it, it was, yes. as Andy said, insane. It was yeah. unhinged. Yes. It was called Rockefeller centaur. Okay. And there was an actual centaur. So let's just use that as the baseline. Right. But yes. he said, yes. he, he really liked our sensibility. He's like, I want to see more from you guys. And that I think really kind of buoyed me. And that was like the first year I was doing yeah. comedy in New York. Yeah. Right. I think early on, I like when I started in DC, I opened for like, you know, some comedians I really looked up to, like Paul F. Tompkins and Maria Bamford. And I really think, yeah. you know, just them being so like nice and encouraging, I was like, okay, well, I really like what you guys are doing and you don't seem to like despise me so maybe <laughs> maybe there's something there but it would it would very much be like yeah like looking for that outside sign yeah 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 yeah, yeah. definitely when did you internalize it though or have you not internalized it i think i've internalized it in that i've been forcing myself to do affirmations have you now? Interesting. I have. Interesting. Interesting, because we've written your character like that. <laughs> we've actually written your character with affirmations, Aparna, so that's hysterical. I, I know I rejected them for so long because I was like, that's not going to work. But then I, yeah, I, I don't know what changed recently, but I just started doing them and I, I hate to say it, but so, sometimes it helps. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, before we go to our break, though, now I'm, I'm very curious Alongside of all of this, how has your, we'll call it your mental health journey, for lack of a better term, <laughs> sure. affected your romantic relationships? I think it has often led them to either end or, uh -oh. um, yeah, like warrant, warrant a discussion. <laughs> Interesting. Is Gabe your first long-term relationship or have you had no. like, I can't Not remember. Not my first long-term, but I feel like um, most of my previous relationships ended 
because I was struggling with depression. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it that withdrawal? Like yes. the way you said you would withdraw, you think that would yeah. be part of it? Yeah, withdraw and sort of be like, what, what are you doing with me? You know, like that you got you got better things to do. Like I I don't know what, what's going on with me sort of thing. Like just kind of remove myself mentally and yeah, from the situation, just kind of like check out. Huh. That's fun. Huh. That's fun oh, to be it's with. So fun. <laughs> it's so fun. That's uh, funny. It's what I don't really know your dating history. I'm sure like I knew like at the time, like I've saw you with whoever. But like No, I, I don't think so. Because a part a partner like keeps it to herself. She's not out here telling all her business. And then I feel like you're not like you go do your shows. You're not mm-hmm. like, here's my lover on my arm as I go <laughs> to my set. You know Although what I mean? You like, did when when we when this was a live show, you and Gabe were on together. Oh yeah, That's I mean true. Gabe has been now my longest relationship. So, but also that was a big deal that you brought Gabe on stage. That's true. Like, I think I was nervous because I was like, I don't feel like he signed up for this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, former hand model, former but a former yeah. hand model, former hand model. Now though. what do you think made the relationship different? Certainly, Gabe is his own person, and as you said. For instance, him saying, you got to talk to me, I assume is like a big part of what helps. But what made it different for you? Were you in a different space that you could not withdraw, show up for your partner, use your words? Kind of what what was different on your end that is making this more successful? (laughs) I think, yeah, I think he's more maybe emotionally mature than... um, past you relationships are? I've oh. had. Oh, yeah, yeah, me for sure. <laughs> me for sure. No question. But yeah, so I think he, and just like more adult in a lot of ways. Like I think my previous two relationships before him were both with um, aspiring comedians. And, you know, I wish him all the best, but. <laughs> we can't have two it, of those. We can't, can't have two It's of hard those. to have two. Yeah. It's hard to have two. And so there weren't any of those weird like comparison issues or like things around that. Um, And I think that just made it feel a lot safer or just more grounded in a way that I hadn't felt before. And yeah, I would still say like, um, you know, we have our we have our little tiffs, but I just think we we handled things a lot more maturely and maybe also because we met like in our mid thirties. I think we were both mm-hmm. kind of like knew what we liked, knew what we didn't like. Mm-hmm. We're like too tired of putting on the show that you do in your like twenties <laughs> and thirties. Right, right. You were like, look, watch, watch the specials. Okay. <laughs> There's the background. I ain't got time to tell you all this. Okay. I'll go through it. Are you yeah, in or yeah. are you out? That is, if you are a comedian that has specials or albums or whatever like that, and you're on the apps, you can just That's like true. text them a link. If you're the comic who is open about, right, if your act is, this is who I am, yeah. you'll be like, here's a nice, concise way to, <laughs> for me to tell you. Sure. Sure. If Mitch Hedberg had been on the apps, I don't know. I was telling someone the other day, I feel like I learn more about my friends on podcasts than <laughs> from knowing them in real life. And I was like, is that... Okay. <laughs> Aparna, I was thinking about that this morning when I'm like, when I was thinking about questions to ask you, I was like, I mean, we're, we've known each other for uh, 10 years. I mean, we, but like, it's here where I'm like, oh, I can finally ask you pointed <laughs> questions. Totally. But does this happen to you where it's like, oh, do I know, should I have known this? Like a question that I was, that I m- may have asked you, like, well, 
you know, the last time we all had dinner together, something like that, but didn't because I was in my head and being like, wait, have I asked you this before? Is this some piece of information I should know? And so I'm just not going to ask it. Now I can finally ask that question. The podcast right. Mike. Now, now that it's for the public. <laughs> Which is insane, right? Like it yeah, really is. Yeah. But I also feel this way because I'm about friends where I'm like, like I'm terrible at gift giving. And that's in yeah. part because, for instance, when we were in middle school, high school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you knew someone's favorite color, favorite oh, band, favorite whatever, right? Like the things like we were, I think our identities were so tied up in our interests. Yes. Whereas as adults, I'm like, I could tell you all my business. I don't know. I don't know which no. TV show you watching. I don't know like where you like to get your clothes. I don't know like a partner's favorite color. I'll guess green. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I feel that way with my parents. I'm like, I don't know you people. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know these facts the way I, no. I think I used to. And so then I'll be like, are we friends or am I a bad friend? But then I'm like, I don't know. Shit, we're 40. Do what you want to do. Tell what you <laughs> oh, want to yeah. tell. Yeah. I'm like, at this point, my expectations of my friends are like, show up when you feel like it. Otherwise, <laughs> we'll catch up in six months. <laughs> All right. Here's a pointed question. What was your longest relationship before Gabe? I think five years, just under five years. So not oh, wow. so short, but... Right, um, that's a long one. Oh, yeah, that's a real one. But I talk about it in the book, but it, it was with another comedian, and I do feel like by the end he was kind of like, it feels like we're more like really good friends. And I was like, yeah, and I love that. And he was like, yeah, that's <laughs> not a relationship. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> checks out, checks out. Yeah. Do you name them in the book? I don't name them, but I think most people who have known me w- would know who it is. Mm. So it's, but that's so funny. Mm. So that's, Robin Williams, of course. But it's also someone I broke up with right before I moved to New York. So I think maybe New York friends don't know. Right. I know, yeah. of, but here's a because I was also looking at the book. I don't know, it was totally biased when you were writing for Totally Biased. Is that what moved you to New York? Mm-hmm. Was working on Totally Biased, you know, again, as someone who I think of as such a strong writer, was it suddenly the act of having to write all day on the clock that made you feel a little impostery? Yes. And I think just right before that job, I had been a temp and I think I just like couldn't believe that like someone wanted to hire me to write comedy so I think Mm. it was very much just that (laughs) the stench of temp was still on me um (laughs) I was like (laughs) like I was just like these people all belong here because I was also hired mid-season so it was a little bit like trying to have to figure out everything after everyone else and um you know, trying to validate why you were brought in. And I think that all kind of felt scary. And, you you know, moving across the country short notice that those jobs are always just like, be here on Monday. Yeah, Yeah, that was the same for me. But I loved going from a day job to Mm. a writing job because they, everyone at my day job was just like this joker. Like they they did, they're like, I remember my boss being like, you know, I know people who uh, do com, you know, comedy. They like they do regional theater or they do whatever on on the oh, weekends, right. and then and then during the day they're they're working at the bank. So <laughs> she wanted to mentor me into be into <laughs> her job eventually. And, and Andy said, "No, thank you, ma'am." And I was, "Do like, I give uh, off the energy of someone who wants to learn more about this?" Yeah, 
And, and so it was so satisfying to get that that writing job from that oh, that sure. first writing job and have to move to LA from that. Uh, and that was just another step on my journey <laughs> to mix to throwing out the old cocktail of self-loathing and arrogance and pouring a new cocktail. Oh, and sure. <laughs> on that, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back after this. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we're back with a part of Nonchurla, Hedy. A part of people need our help. They need our help. They've I written in. You know, maybe you can throw some affirmations their way. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Why don't we do this question now? Uh, I want to start with something a little, little softer. Mm. Okay, okay. And something not as hard hitting, because <laughs> that's what this show is known for: hard hitting advice questions. Oh, sure. But uh, as pet owners ourselves, a partner, you also have two cats, <gasps> yes. two daughters, two rambunctious cat daughters. I thought yes. this might be appropriate. Here we go. Hey guys, uh, long time listener, first time caller. I don't even know if I need advice as much as I need. I need that like halftime. We're down. I don't even know anything about sports, but we're down <laughs> a lot in points. <laughs> and I need that inspirational speech because I have three animals, two of which are my sweetest and I love them. And I have one who's really mean. <laughs> and she is a queen, and I love her. And she causes really no issues. But I have three pets. And I am giving everything. I'm giving this old dog skin medication. I'm giving him weekly medic medicated baths. He's getting fish oil. He's getting all of this stuff. And then I have another cat who's got, he has to take a pill every day. Cat pill every day. Um, and then he needs a B12 shot. He's mm. on steroid, mm. and he's just pissing everywhere. Oh. 
And then, you know, this dog with skin issues, he rolls in poop today. And it wasn't animal poop. And when oh, no. people ask, how do you know it wasn't animal poop? You know. You know it wasn't animal poop. You know it was maybe homeless poop. And I know where he was and how it happened. And I'm just at my wit's end. And I need, I need that reason for why I love these creatures, okay? <laughs> I know you guys give everything to your animals. And I know you got three, and it's company. And I love them, and I love you all. So please respond and tell me why do I have no kids and I'm over here paying as much as I would if I had a kid <laughs> and why I need to keep doing this because I love them dearly and I can't get rid of them and they're my family, but they be testing me. I am being tested. So <laughs> your thoughts, give me that inspirational speech. I love you guys. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh. So much in there. Yeah. Yeah. I identify with this. It really resonates with me because everything, I mean, besides the fact that like first Prem was sick and then he passed away and now Squee is sick and we're giving him daily medication. He's going for chemotherapy every Every couple weeks. weeks. It is, it's a lot with Mabel. Everything's anxiety producing. Yesterday I took her out for her night walk and she brushed against a spider web and I freaked out because I'm like, what if there was a black widow there? And I like pick, I grabbed her and then I like spent two minutes with a flashlight looking into the web to see if there was anything. If you could identify the spider. The spider is taken to identifying spiders. I'm pretty sure it was a spider that was like about a millimeter (laughs) like long. It was nothing. But like in my head, I was just like, oh, like I was so like anxious that like when I brought her in, I left the poop bag in the hallway, which Naomi discovered this morning. I said, why does it all smell like poop in here? And then realizes because the poop bag from last night. Because I put it down and then I spent, you know, a good five to 10 minutes combing through her fur looking for a, looking for this phantom spider that my brain conjured. Well, not even just that. Again, I think since we've gotten her, we got Mabel in 2019, as everyone who knows us will know, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, mastectomy, chemotherapy. So that was all like end of 2020 through 2021. Then she gets well. Prembly gets sick. It's his medication from pretty much 2021 to May 2023. Then finally it was, okay, Squeezy fine, but we should give him some attention just because, you know, it's been by the wayside. The moment we take him in, they go, well, it's IBS or lymphoma. I said, what oh. a fun roll of the dice. <laughs> they said it's lymphoma. And so it's like, so it's been a real <gasps> domino with each of our kids. I don't even think we've mentioned Squeeze lymphoma. Oh, um, yeah, I guess This is not. our first time mentioning it on an episode because I think uh, kind of coming off Prem, we were like, no one wants to hear this. Yeah. But um, we we're like, so, so this feeling of, yeah, it's so like, I, yes, what are we I doing? A part but you have, wh- how long have you had your cats for? We just passed three years in April. Okay. Mm-hmm. And okay, so these were, you got them uh, quarantined. We around. got them as quarantine babies. Yeah. But also you've been, I know a little bit of sort of the move from, uh, New York to California, they've taken some adjusting. The girls. Oh yeah, they were they were livid for about four four months, um, <laughs> give or what take. What does that look like? Livid. Just you bad. know, like just like so angry at us for for you know dislocating them and uh, 
just not feel in the new space. And only recently have they really started to like make it their own. Mm. Like they'll do that thing where they kind of, you know, go into a room and then just flop down like it's theirs. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's just part of cats getting older, but they do seem less playful. And Gabe is always worried. He's like always worried about their quality of life. He's like, could we be doing more? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they have it pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I think for our caller, what I would say is like, you're going through it. But I think something about, I think what I, when I take care of my animals, it is a wonderful reminder to me that maybe I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> mm. Right? Because I really do. Because so, especially, you know, we, as we've been talking about anxiety, depression, those things can make you very selfish. And at the very least, you're very just myopic, right? It, you're really turned inward. You're spending so much time beating yourself up. But that's just yes. thinking about yourself. Um, and so something I kind of look at where I go, you know, my animals seem slightly, slightly off or anything is happening. I don't hesitate for a second to be like, mm. what are we going to do? How are we going to help them? Right. No matter yeah. how tired I am, no matter how stressed or anxious it is like, okay, nope, we got it. We're going to give Squee his syringe. Um, I'm going to like pay attention to Mabel things that kind of, and I think what I, in these moments where I go, Oh my God, this is so much work. It's like, I try to be grateful that I can do the work. That even with mm-hmm. in the face of everything else, it's like you actually do care about something more than yourself. You actually will show up for someone, something, however you want to call your animals, that's not you. And that's really great to know. Like every time, you know, you're giving your dog his medicated bath <laughs> and then his extra bath because he done rolled in some shit. Okay. <laughs> Think about how lucky you are to be able to like help to be able to solve this problem in a world where so many things are not solvable. Yes. And also like that your dog has you. Your dog is dumb. He was rolling around in human poop. Without you, he wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like literally you are saving a life. You're improving the quality of life for another creature. And by doing that, you are making the planet a better place. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially if these are rescues. You've literally taken these animals off the streets. You take them out of cages and you've said, I will lift you up. Yeah. If it wasn't for you, they'd be living in caves. 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 Is that true? Dogs in caves? (laughs) It's a funny image. No. No. (laughs) Cave dogs. I I also think I, as someone who myself in my own life has trouble asking for help, I forget that sometimes help itself is like, therapeutic to the person giving it like mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to help and and I like you're saying it can be a thankless thing where it's sort of like oh this is just a never-ending pit of need but but I think you're I think it's everything Naomi and Andy have been saying where it's like you're really putting something beautiful into the world and just in caring for these like creatures that are fully dependent on you and giving them that chance that they didn't have otherwise yeah just think of all the horror in the world. Imagine this. You are you are scraping feces off of your dog's hide. Okay? Just imagine, like, think through all, just, it's 2023. You, you, you don't, you can, you can throw a rock and hit a horror. Okay? There is, it's, it's happened all around us. Okay? 
just imagine all of that stuff and think about how you are birthing into the world with this act, this moral act of cleaning the feces off of your dog's hide. You are birthing beauty into the world. Okay? There is there is unimaginable non-Euclidean Lovecraftian just terror <laughs> behind every door, around every corner. And you, again, in the act of scraping feces off of your poor, dumb, idiotic dog's yeah. fur, you are pushing that horror away. You are counteracting it. You are saying, nay, not nay. today. Not, not today, Cthulhu. Not today, Cthulhu. Oh, yes. <laughs> Aparta, do you have time for one more? Yes. Great. This is comes to us. We've had this for a little while. I've been waiting for an appropriate guest. Hi, Andy and Naomi. Obligatory love your pod. Yada, yada. When I discovered <laughs> Naomi, I was so hyped to find she was also in a mixed religion slash race marriage. Hey, also, Andy, are you drinking from the Fountain of Youth? And they say black don't crack. That's true. Andy nice. is really looking youthful. I know. He really stays baby, youthful. Baby face. Babes. Uh, no, I, there's a lot of work I put into this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have a very good plastic surgeon. <laughs> Following. No, I, was, I, would, I would be frightened. I'm frightened of. Anyway. Okay, stay on it. <laughs> Following your podcast and journey, I know you guys don't want kids, and it seems like Andy is pretty secular, but I still need advice. I'm a Jewish black woman married to a white goy. Mm. My husband is atheist. I'm a soldier in Hashem's army. <laughs> From my modest dress to Moda Ani and Shema at night, Judaism is how I live. You could tell how long it's been since I've read transliterated Hebrew. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know these phrases. Shema, of course. I know. Uh, what Jewish practices, if any, do you celebrate every year as a couple? Andy, as a fellow Jew married to a non-Jew, what are some customs you keep in the name of the culture? Naomi. And this Aparna. What do you find interesting about Judaism? What advice do you have for us? <laughs> Ends with a smiley emoji. No. So, wow. So now Gabe, Gabe and I both Jewish. You, Aparna, Naomi, both non-Jews. You guys also need to know too that like Gabe and Andy are honestly in some ways doppelgangers or like cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Like they're often wearing the same brand shoes. <laughs> they're like petite, heady Jewish men who like... Yes. An indie brand. Yeah, by the way, he owes me a text because we were supposed to go see some outdoor experimental music. And I said, sounds great. Oh. And then I never heard back from him. He invited me. He's going to be so mad at himself. <laughs> but yes, we are cut a lot. like Very same, similar. Like a lot of the same literature, like a lot of the yeah. same music. So anyway, yes. Cut from the same cloth. But then Andy, are you, because I would consider Gabe a pretty secular Jew. Like even growing up, he didn't go to like Hebrew school or temple. I think regularly he didn't do like a bar mitzvah or anything. So I wouldn't say like. Other than, you know, we have latkes when we go to his family's house for the holidays. Like, I wouldn't say there's, like, any, like, really firm orthodoxy happening. Mm -hmm. Yes. No. I Yeah, I was bar mitzvah confirmed. I can still read Hebrew, Hebrew if I need to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I have trouble with transliterated <laughs> Hebrew sometimes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Make it that fault. Yeah. But... <laughs> 
were you raised with any kind of religion? Yeah, we were raised Hindu and but also not like, you know, really strict about it. Like we would go to the temple for holidays and we would go to like community events. But yeah, we weren't like really um, rigid. Do you still practice anything? No, I kind of fell off the, the Hindu wagon just with all, all the nationalism. I said, no, thanks. Um, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait, why is that a problem? Just because, you know, people are getting assassinated in other countries by uh by nationalists uh that's that's you find that to be distasteful yeah you know it's just not for everyone <laughs> not for everyone that's a nice way to put it so so basically so you got neither of you were really attached as adults now to your religion so you haven't felt like there's been like a blending of anything not really because i think as a kid there was some attachment where i just liked the ritual and kind of the something to believe in and like practices to follow but yeah as i've gotten older i've kind of let go of a lot of that stuff and gabe i would say is pretty firmly atheist but i i'm more in the like buddhist camp mm. i would say of just like that sort of life of suffering ethos fits neatly into my mm. <laughs> mm. i went to buddhist day camp so yeah i get it you Buddhist date? Can I go? I want to go. Maybe we should all start that. This sounds like a good business. But you, I mean, and we've talked about this on the pod, you know, it's been certainly since moving out to LA where we're separated from both of our communities in a way. Yes. Yeah. Like for instance, I do like Christmas mm, mm-hmm. and it's, and I like Again, I'm an only child, so usually we would go visit family, right? And it would be kind of like over the Christmas break, a big old time, go to my grandma's house, decorate her tree. Like, I like doing that kind of stuff. And then in New York, of course, as an adult, we would go to my mom's. My mom loved to decorate her tree. We would listen to some Christmas music. Oh, and then but when I Andy, would help. I would help. Put right. Up. And then when Andy and I were together, he would, you know, he would come do it. Yeah. But once we were living together and we were here in LA where we weren't getting, I wasn't getting that Christmas fix. Yeah. We kind of went through it. A little bit of a negotiation, not negotiation, but just sort of like he was like, I don't know. We each had lawyers. It was it was a real negotiation. (laughs) But Andy was like, I don't want a tree in my house. Which was something I had never like he had said that before, but it didn't really matter because I was getting my Christmas fix. You know what I mean? Like I was going to house, So it didn't really matter to me. And then suddenly I was like, oh, wait, I want something. In my mind, it was a hard line. It seemed like that. Like it was just like something Gentiles do that we don't. Right. There's a oh. handful of things that really differentiate us. Jesus being the big one. <laughs> right. Sure. But sure. then, the, uh, but like certain symbols to me really kind of got under my skin and the Christmas tree was mm. one of them. And we had to really like, I was like, all right, we're not on the East coast. You real like, we're really, this means a lot to Naomi. Okay. I find like it, it really was a kind of like, it means more to her to have one than it than it really does. Like it does. What, what does it really do to my identity? I had to like really think about right. it. Like, does it really kind of like considering the fact that like I don't like Temple? It's really boring. <laughs> it's I'm gonna keep yeah. saying this. Temple is boring. If there is an interesting service and it's outdoors here in Los Angeles, please someone tell me. I will go to it. But I find I I find a lot of the kind of like because i am an atheist too so i just like all mm. the god stuff i'm just like all right we get it <laughs> i like yom kippur but i was gonna say right because this person is asking what jewish things have you kept and considering yes. you're an atheist you've actually kept the least fun and hardest of all of them <laughs> right, which is the day right. where you don't eat don't drink because i find it meaningful 
I do, and I like meaningful, singing like songs. Meaningful, like in meaningful in the L.A. juice cleanse. Meaningful. <laughs> mm, that's a very good question. No, no, it's not Where like, you're like I'm clean eating today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I use Yom Kippur as an excuse to get onto a weird fad diet. <laughs> like last year, it was South Beach. I'm behind the times. <laughs> right now, you're doing Atkins. Now I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing Atkins so this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really find it ethically meaningful to yeah. fast for a day and spend it thinking about how you can be a better person and how you can atone for the things that you. And I'll be honest, I was a great person last year, so there's not really a lot to atone for. <laughs> yeah, that's what you say because I was like, you sit here watching a movie. I said, is that reflection? Is I, watching the player an act of reflection? That was part. I don't understand. I don't understand it all. Part because the night before the WGA strike. Ended and I want to watch the player oh. remind myself how great our industry is. <laughs> no, no, no. I actually remember listening to a podcast. I think it was the Ezra Klein show, um, noted New York Times columnist and a Jew. Um, but I you were he say, noted did... New York Times Jew. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, sure. I'm, I'm interested um, where the sentence is going. <laughs> But anyway, he had an episode where he interviewed um, this rabbi about just like, uh, I think she had written a book about Shabbat and and keeping Shabbat. And I really liked some of the principles of just having a day where you kind of, you know, you can't be on your phone. You just like gather and eat with people like that all sounded great. Like I would I would for sure want to do that because it just sounds like you're kind of taking stock of your life in a way that's not so attached to some of the fleeting priorities that we worship in our society yeah i would actually love to do shabbat i actually think that is that's something that i do miss a lot because that was a a thing my family did you know every friday well that's the thing i was talking about too is like you know because he's like i hate temple i hate temple but at the same Mm. time especially since moving to la what i've gotten from you is that you feel you can really feel the lack of a jewish community that you mm. didn't feel just being in a city like New York. Because sure. yes, there are Jewish people in LA. It's certainly right. not, you know, it would probably be another Jewish center outside of New York. But because LA is so spread out, it doesn't necessarily feel the way. Whereas I feel like you in Manhattan, honey, you know what holiday it is when you step outside. Yes. You know the vibe, right? And so as much as you say you don't like temple, I'm like, you got to go to like a young hip temple just to find the people who you can then go to Shabbat with. And like, that's what I mean. It's like, you don't, I get that it's boring, but at the same time, I'm like, I think it might be the only way you find the community, especially, and especially because nowadays there are like young, hip, cool temples. You know what I mean? Where like everybody is like under 50 and creative and they're going to have like an indie rock band play at the end. (laughs) Like you can, you can get both. And you know, for this person, I can't find their question, but the sort of what to keep, it does sound like, the thing you want is the sense of community yes. for your, you and like, if you, you know, wanting to have a child of what you're saying is like, I think the thing you keep and I think the thing that mo- I think a lot of people would ultimately say about any religion they're in is they continue to be in it because of the community. Yeah. You know, because of the group, because of this, having the similar touchstones, being in a place where you don't have to explain yourself, people who kind of get it, whatever it Maybe and Andy being in the community, you you there's always the person who's sort of anti-community in the community. That's like a known figure, you know. Like you gotta find this Waldorf to your Statler, where you're both like, oh, <laughs> we're doing we're doing this again. <laughs> 
Reading the Torah, more like reading the Borah. <laughs> exactly. That's you. Mm. That's you. But I was that person in B'nai Brit. So I was in BBYO, the B'nai Brit Youth Organization. And Whoa. it was me and this other guy, Uvi, who were the Statler and War- Waldorf were there. Like, make, everyone's, like, participating and having fun. And we're there in the corner, like, making fun of everyone. That did not feel good, by the way. <laughs> as a teenager. So... I wanted to want to, that's the thing I wanted to be part of that I just was was existentially allergic to joining no to like because I I would have to change who I was because no what they're going to talk about pavement with me they were all like I think there's also mm. like one of the things I find difficult is, is that I'm part of a subculture I'm, that's and I'm also in another subculture that doesn't cross over Right. So a lot of my fellow Jews are not part of my own subculture. What's your subculture? Like indie rock and like weird literature. Gabe. Gabe's the only one. Gabe. And he's an atheist. Gabe. He's an atheist and he inherently distrusts groups. <laughs> and that's why they should hang out together on the edge of a group. But he's my like Uvi. He's my like. We're just going to be sitting there making fun of stuff. When yeah. I want, I, where, where are my fellow Jews that want to have a atheist Shabbat? But also love indie rock. <laughs> I and think you're asking everybody to do too much. <laughs> they got to love indie rock and not be into it, but also do it. Stop it. You're just there for one thing. Because you and I, for instance, we went to a friend of mine in New York, Seder. That mm-hmm. I remember you were like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. I've never had a fun Seder. Yeah. And you know me, honey. I know only dynamic people. Bar. Only great You know what I'm saying? So, yes. I'm, so like, these are people who were like, in like theater and comedy and you know oh, it was a family okay. thing but like we had fun reading all the parts like yes. but that's because that's who their personality like that's what their personalities are like right. so that's why I'm like this stuff is fun with fun people like they're yeah. people who do it or or for instance it's not they're people who do it but it's not so stuffy yes you just have to find the not stuffy people and I think you find that when you talk to them like you know like okay yeah we're both we're both a synagogue but like you can tell when you're talking to somebody like yeah how devout how orthodox how rigid you know whichever word you, you would literally use. see yeah, but not <laughs> just literally, literally see literally see but also you could talk but also you could like talk to them and you're like oh, okay you're not you're not fun you're not whimsical you're not like loving yes. you know what i mean like yes. and so then you know it's like and then that person invites you to shabbat and you go no thank you <laughs> um but like people who are fun like yeah. this very fun black woman who's a writer she we like knew each other kind of online and she's a wga and she has a jewish husband and she's like all in doing the jewish thing so <laughs> a reverse of our writer but she was like i do soul food shabbat y'all should come over and i said soul food shabbat is the vibe that's like oh if we were gosh. that's the kind of thing that we would be doing right which is like a blend yes. of cultures recognizing it but also not being so rigid about it that's there yeah. that's the option you know i think for me, I, as someone who's not particularly religious, but I like communities and certainly yes, learned a lot about Judaism just by going to Dalton. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm down. I'll go wherever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, look, is there a hot meal? I'm in. Okay. Oh, totally. It's a hot meal. And then also like for me, it's like funny because it was more so like when we went to Andy's parents' house. Was it Seder? Or sh- it was something where it was like, what was it where oh. I had to find the Afi Komen because I was the youngest and I was like Passover. 36. Yes. <laughs> and they were like, you got to find the Afi Komen. And then the worst part is it took me too, a long time to find it apart. I, oh, I'm an adult no. and they hit it and I didn't know where to look. Yeah. Because you don't know like all the like. Yeah. Where can by, it be? By, by, you know, middle age. 
I knew all my dad's high. You know, like oh. is it in the player piano thing? Is it yeah. the little part where you put the scroll for the player piano? Yeah, yeah see, I didn't know. Where... I don't want to go poking around somebody's house. No. I was like, do I go upstairs? And they were like, no, don't do that. <laughs> so wait, Aparno, is there any? I mean, I know Gabe's atheist, but is there anything appealing about Judaism to you? Or well, is she it said Shabbat? Were you listening? Outside of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I was just going through these questions because then the last one was, what advice do you have for us? The, okay, so what advice do you have for us? The last question in this. I yeah. think do not – your Judaism is your Judaism. And if there are things that your partner wants that you think somehow take away from your Judaism, they don't. If your partner wants a tree, it does not take away from your identity to have a tree there. Mm. Right. These things can coexist. These things can coexist. It doesn't, because it's, because your relationship, look, if you're very religious, your relationship with God, your relationship with the divine, or your relationship with your identity, if you're not super religious, is an internal thing. And if it's easily shakable th- by, that's a terrible way to phrase that, but if it's easily shaken. There you go. Th- uh by someone having a, a symbol of their faith or something that makes them feel good, then that's something you have to interrogate within yourself. Why are you so easily shaken by having this thing? Because that's the thing that I, ta- I I had to reckon with, where I'm just like, oh, it doesn't actually change my own relationship with Judaism to have a tree in the house. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes religion so tricky is like, I feel like it's one of those areas where people feel like the their ability to express theirs or fully lean into it is sometimes uh, threatened by someone choosing different lifestyle options. And I feel like that that's where I kind of hesitate where I'm like, is this about your religion or is this just about you not wanting to challenge a belief system in any way yeah right, right i'm just right. waiting for fashion yarmulkes i'm waiting for Ooh, like I, some aren't don't those exist already oh i hope not <laughs> i hope it's not i don't know i think i think i'm sure they do i'm sure someone's etsy store is yeah. blowed up okay blow it up from selling them. does louis vuitton have, have a yarmulke <laughs> oh god i bet um i bet they do but I think that was sort of an answer to the question. We went all over the place. The point is, <laughs> yeah. do do what you love. And obviously, if you're mm-hmm. with this person, I'm assuming they're not, you know, pushing back on you and allowing you to be who you are. And they love, found you as you were, and love you for who you are. And I think it's sort of, um, you ask us, well, you ask Andy kind of what he loves, or you ask us what we think. It's more, it's like actually it doesn't even matter what any of us think. It's like, what's yeah. the stuff you want to keep? What's the stuff you want to tweak? For what your does Adonai think? That's all that matters. Wow. Mm. That's the other question. But even I say, nope. I say, what do you think? What do you want? What if you make a baby and you decide you want to do X, Y, or Z? You do it all. You mix it up. To me, like, I would imagine if I had a kid, it would be about exposure to both and them, at least what I know, and then them finding what they like in either of them or liking none of it, right, as they get older and deciding, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And then being like, all right, well, at least I told you the options. Well, at least what mm-hmm. I know, right? Like, it's a, I'm not going to make the decision for you, but at least exposing you to those things and, you know, 
give it a try, see what works. You know, they don't really get to call the shots at like eight. If they're like, I don't want to go to Temple. It's like, well, you ain't sitting here. <laughs> You're so getting, you you just, are getting dragged to the car. Yeah. You are going to Temple. To the car. You going to Temple. I stand in the house and you ain't staying in the house by yourself. So you go to Temple. <laughs> I'd be such a good mom. <laughs> anyway, Aparna. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. Thank you for having me. You're an angel. You're a dream. And everybody cop a Parna's book. We already talked about it in the beginning, okay? But, like, don't play games, okay? Parna's out here writing, putting it on the page. You better buy this goddamn book. Yeah. If you don't buy it, we're going to hunt you down. We're going to hunt you down one by one. All right, you guys. Have a good week. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com